What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are two guys just trying to get our own Continental Hotel up and running. I'm Austin Terry, and everybody in this world is way too willing and eager to shoot a dog, if you ask me. I agree. And I'm Keith Baker. And yeah, I think John was pissed off. On today's show, we'll be talking about the latest entry to the John Wick franchise with John Wick Chapter 4. And uh, let's get right into it, Keith. John Wick is, at this point, one of the most successful action franchises ever made. Um, All three of its first films have at least tripled or more their budget at the box office, and each has also received universal critical acclaim. Um, So here we are with Chapter 4, a movie that has to both move the John Wick story along and also outdo its predecessors when it comes to the action and the set pieces that this franchise has become famous for. And that's kind of what I want to get into in our non-spoilers today, Keith. I think we're going to do things a bit differently today, because with this franchise, I mean, if you love action, you're probably going to go see it in theaters. So I think for anybody still deciding if they want to see this one or not, there's really only three questions that we need to get into. And uh, I'll start us off with the first one. Keith, do you think the action in Chapter 4 lives up to that John Wick pedigree? I would say yes. Uh, Going into John Wick 4... It definitely lives up to the pedigree of, of the other John Wick movies as far as the action goes. We get a lot of good sequences in this one um, from a lot of different angles and different perspectives, you know, different types of buildings, atmospheres, streets. It's always a good variety with guns and knives and all the other methods that they bring into the play. Um, the action is actually probably on the top of my list of what I did like about this movie. As, and that's, I think I just want to kind of leave it there because I do, we, you're going to ask me some other questions here in a second where I might have some problems. So what about you? I think I'm higher on the action in this one um, than you are, it sounds like. I think the action absolutely lives up to that John Wick pedigree. And I think in some cases it may blow a few of the other movies out of the water. There's some incredible just cinematography in this movie where they do, um, of course, they're famous for some of their like really long takes and wide shots, but they just they find a way to elevate it again in this movie. And um, I was just super impressed with some of the stuff we got. Yeah, no, I was too. I think the action, like I said, is the top of my list of the things I really liked about this one. Um, Like you said, the cinematography was great. We get the soundtrack uh, in the background of a lot of these scenes. It's so awesome. As far as like any downsides to the action, I can't even think of one, really. I think I liked almost every bit of the action we got in this one. And I think this one's more action-centric, maybe more so over story. So uh, I think the action definitely takes a spotlight in this one. Uh, Next question, Keith. Is there a compelling villain for John Wick to go up against in this film? All right, Austin. This is where I have maybe I don't know. I don't want to say I don't want to be too dramatic and say I have a problem. I'll just say this. I think the villain in this one is definitely one of the weaker villains we get in the entire franchise. Oh, wow. (laughs) I would I actually would say I think this is one of the best villains we've gotten in this franchise. Okay, it's the only villain I would say is memorable. I think this franchise has always done a good job of we have our like elucidatory like really high level villain and then there's somebody that they're fighting throughout the movie. The person that John Wick is fighting is always memorable from each film. And I would say the same thing in this one. Donnie Yen kills it as Kane in this movie. Where I think John Wick has sometimes failed at is like the really high level villain that maybe we don't see enough or don't know enough about to like feel intimidated by and stay memorable. I think that's what I love about this movie is our really high level villain played by Bill Skarsgård is on screen a ton in this film. I found him super memorable and just like super stylish too. Yeah, I think it was a great performance by Bill Skarsgård. And and maybe this is just something we're going to have to talk out. I think maybe it was more so, maybe not that I saw him as a weaker villain, but maybe I was more confused by his motives, I guess you could say. But as far as like, if you want to consider Donnie Yen as Kane a villain, I guess you could. 
uh, without getting too spoily, then oh, he knocked it out of the park for sure. Um, and I loved his, I loved his character. Kane was probably my favorite character of this movie. And Kane ties into the action too because they just kind of let Donnie and use all his skills for this movie, and he has some of the most memorable fight scenes in this franchise for somebody not named John Wick. Yes, for sure. Such a cool character. Um, can't wait to talk more about him. But as far as Marcus, definitely kind of confused by this guy's motives. And maybe that's why I was a little bit more, I don't know, standoffish when it came to like think of him as like a strong villain. Um, but definitely like the performance. Definitely, um, like you said, he's stylish. Uh, we don't really see these, these uh, higher up authority guys too often in this movie. They're always kind of, or in these movies, they're always kind of mentioning him, but you don't really see a lot of them. Uh, so it's kind of cool to finally see someone from the high table and see how they interact with uh, all these, you know, you could say scavengers or the guys who are just kind of going after the the coins and the contracts. But yeah, definitely interested to dive more into the villains of this one for sure. Okay. And finally, uh, Keith, this movie is two hours and 49 minutes long. That's a big ask for someone to kind of go sit through a three hour action movie. Do you think John Wick Chapter 4 should be seen in theaters? Yeah, I would say go see it in theaters. It's John Wick, man. Um, the action is awesome. It it steps it up another level. Uh, I don't think you're going to go wrong seeing this on the big screen. As far as the runtime goes, I honestly didn't even feel it. It went by so fast for me. If you're going to John Wick, just expect it to be John Wick. It's going to be full action, uh, full John Wick lore. Uh, I think it's some, definitely something I think everybody would enjoy on the big screen. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's two hours and 49 minutes, and I would guess like two hours and 20 minutes of it is action. There's not a lot of like standing and talking in this film. They give you what you come to see uh, with a John Wick movie. So I had a blast in theaters. It flew by for me as well, just because of how much of it is like adrenaline pumping action. And I also, it seemed like my theater was really into it too. They were laughing. At one point, somebody stood up and started clapping. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a good time in the audience too. All right, well, there you go. There's our kind of our non-spoiler thoughts. I think Keith and I would both say the action is there. We have a decent villain. I'm a little higher on him than Keith is, and we'll talk about that more. And you got to see this movie in theaters. It's a blast. Um, so from here on out, we're going to give a full spoiler warning. If you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 4, get out there, go see it, and then come on back to hear our thoughts. And uh, let's get into spoilers, because there's a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, some unexpected choices and... Um, some consequences, as John Wick would say, for this movie. Consequences. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory for John Wick Chapter 4. As always, let's get into our cast and crew, and I'll start us off with the crew side of things. Um, our director for John Wick Chapter 4 is Chad Stahelski, who has directed all of the prior John Wick movies and was also a key stuntman on The Matrix, where he was Keanu Reeves' double. The writers for this film are Shay Hatton and Michael Finch, and our composers for the film are Tyler Bates and Joel J. Richard. And of course, based on characters originally created by Derek Coldstad. All right, and going to our cast, we have Keanu Reeves, of course, as John Wick, Lawrence Fishburne as Bowery King. Lance Reddick as Charon, Clancy Brown as Harbinger, Ian McShane as Winston, Marco Zoror as Chitty, Bill Skarsgård as Marcus, Donnie Yen as Kane, Hiroki Sanada as Shimazu, Shamir Anderson as Tracker, and we got Rina Sawayama as Akira. All right, Austin, there's our cast and crew. Any positives? Any negatives? What do you got? I'm going to give two standouts for me. The first was uh, Hiroki Sanada as Chimazu. I just really love these hotel manager characters in these, in these movies. They find a way to make them 
like similar across everyone we've met, but still with the actors and talent they bring in, each performance feels different. I love their relationship with John Wick and getting um, an added layer where Hiroyuki Sonata's uh, concierge is his daughter and kind of the emotional toll that that can come with in this type of world um, whenever, you know, your past life brings in threats that can threaten your family. So I really enjoyed his performance. And then my other highlight is uh, Bill Skarsgård as Marquis. Like I said, I think he's the most memorable villain we've gotten in this franchise so far. I think he has the most screen time with each one of our different characters in this film. Something we also haven't seen from a villain um, in this franchise, where most of the time they're kind of just interacting with John Wick. I enjoyed seeing Bill Skarsgård interact with Tracker, with Winston, with Sharon. So loved his involvement in this film and thought he was a super fun performance. Um, I think I would shout out Donnie Yen as Kane. Man, the the fight choreography he brings to the table, the acting, um, and then the character of Kane um, as a whole is just so cool to me. I think he's definitely uh, they kind of make a point in the movie that he is he is John Wick's match. So it's cool that they get to have this duel, but at the same time they they consider each other friends and brothers. Really thought his character was so interesting. Definitely a strong one of the stronger characters that's coming out of this franchise so far, um, as far as maybe being. Not a bad guy, as we say. We, he's not really a bad guy in this, but he's kind of coerced to be. So definitely want to see where his story goes uh, from here. I also think just with the character of Kane, that's really where motives and consequences come into this movie. And something I thought they did a really good job of showing is because of John Wick's actions in the past films, um, there's no consequences that are impacting his friends. And this is someone that John Wick does consider a friend, but he also can't fault Kane for getting involved with the table because of the um, kind of hold they have over his daughter. Exactly. Everybody has something that's being held over their head. It's crazy. All right, everybody. Well, you know what we think, but let's check in on what the critics have to say about John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4 has received overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a certified fresh rating of 93%, with the critical consensus being, it piles on more of everything and suggests that when it comes to a well-dressed Keanu Reeves dispatching his enemies in lethally balletic style, there can never be too much. Critics praised the cinematography and said the long takes and wide shots truly showcased the martial arts skills of all the actors involved. Bill Skarsgård's performance also received particular praise, with one calling him our most stylish villain yet. There were some negatives. Um, Some critics questioned that this movie needed to be two hours and 49 minutes long, and some said a few of the action scenes overstayed their welcome. John Wick Chapter 4's budget is also estimated to be $90 million, and so far in its first opening weekend, it is slated to make a franchise best $70 million. So it seems like a successful movie as well on its way. Uh, Keith, any thoughts on what the critics had to say about John Wick Chapter 4? Yeah, I would say, I would. let's just touch on their negative, I guess, um, as far as some of the people said that the fight scenes had uh, overstayed their welcome. Like I said earlier, I think the runtime, yes, it is long, but did the fight scenes overstay their welcome? I would say absolutely not. I think they were perfectly uh, appropriate for what they brought to the table with them. If they were bad fight scenes, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for this fight scene to be over. But they weren't. <laughs> they were, they yeah. were all badass. Every kill is like unique in its own. It's like it, there's never like a kill that's exactly the same. So I don't think they overstayed their welcome at all. I think uh, they were perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think there are definitely some long ass action scenes in this movie for sure. And I definitely noticed that. But it's like you said, Keith, they're all great. So I was entertained and having a blast. And it's what I came to this movie for. It's what I bought a ticket for was to see the action. So I'm glad that um, the cast and crew behind this know what people expect from this franchise. And you mentioned this too. It's also just so cinematic. They have 
these crazy staged fight scenes, but they're taking place among like a beautiful Paris sunset or a, a pulsing nightclub or things like that. So it stays really pretty engaging. I also think for chapter four specifically, he's doing all the same stuff we've seen him do in all the other films. We've seen him do like automobile stuff. We've seen him do the stuff with his guns, with his fists, but they're putting him constantly in new situations with higher stakes. And they're making like the camera angles we're seeing like fresh and different from the prior three films. So even though it's stuff we've seen before in their long scenes, it still feels new and different. And it's, it's still exciting to watch. I'd love to be on set of one of these movies and see how they actually do it because it's cool to watch him like, let's say he's fighting one person and you know another person's coming up right behind him uh, or another person's right behind a tree right, ready to shoot him. And the fact that he knows that all those people are there coming after him as he's fighting that one person. And as soon as he kills that one guy, he's automatically turning to the next guy. The way they, they choreograph that, I think is just so cool looking. Um, and you're, always, you're, always, you're always on the edge of your seat like, oh my God, does you see that guy coming, like, coming after him? It's like, oh yes, he does. He's John Wick. Of course he does. And they also have done such a good job of like making you believe that John Wick is capable of all this because they've shown him in all these situations before. They also have like the camera angle always positioned in a way where you believe that John Wick would know someone is coming up behind him. Like just the way they showcase his skills and just kind of let these um, camera angles and one takes just like hang in place and like just expect all the actors to know where they're supposed to be. Um, all the stunt choreography they have in these movies. It's always so impressive because when you have a camera just sitting there, it's very hard to like cut or put in a stunt double so um because of the way they film these movies it's believable that they're doing everything on screen like for real yeah for sure i think i was reading something maybe this morning keanu reeves like has in all of his contracts or something like that that so he has in his contracts that it says like something like minimal digital reinforcement or something like that meaning like they're not gonna cgi a lot of his movements and stuff like that he wants it to be uh very authentic and you know looks like he's actually doing this stuff which he is if I remember correctly, I think he did 92% of the stunts in the first John Wick. And since then, he's always tried to keep like in that percentage range. I don't know what the percentage of stunts is he did in Chapter 4, but it's very likely like what you're seeing on screen is actually Keanu performing those acts. All right, well, let's get into the main uh, bulk of our show. This is, of course, our roundtable discussion. Keith and I each brought uh, some points we wanted to break down more. So, Keith, do you want to start us off today? Sure, Austin. Let's just start off at where we left off from... John Wick 3, with him being shot off the roof um, by Winston, uh, with the adjudicator there kind of giving Winston a hard time, and John Wick being very, very pissed off with Lawrence Fishburne as the Bowery. So that's where we left off in 3, and opening up with this one, we're, we're opening up in the desert, I believe, with him uh, shooting, I think, at the Elder's guys. So, so yeah, how did you like this opening? Did you like this transition from 3, or did you think like maybe we could, we could have opened up somewhere else? What's your thoughts? This is probably the only part of the movie where I have some issues because I think it's a very weird way to start chapter four. Like, yeah, it's a jarring opening. It has like almost no connections to chapter three. It opens with Lawrence Fishburne coming in to John and saying, all right, you ready? Let's get started. And then it immediately cuts to the desert. And it just kind of makes you feel like we missed out on yeah. like two or three scenes on how John got even back to the desert. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt, too. It feels like we're missing like a whole conversation or like planning with Lawrence Fishburne's character. We just don't see them working together at all, which was jarring. And I even, probably when we get to the halfway point of this movie, in my head, I was thinking, wow, where is Lawrence Fishburne? Like, they really kind of set up that they were going to be working together and planning for this movie to take down the high table. And yeah. it's kind of just John Wick on his own again. I did eventually come to appreciate this opening because it gets us to our main plot like as fast as possible and kind of lets us stay on those action roller coasters longer because we cut out 
a lot of the whole planning and talking to Lawrence Fishburne's character. So I did come to appreciate it, but it still is a jarring opening for sure. Do you know why he was going after the elder in the desert? I was I was confused by that. Yeah, that's another thing that was confusing. I'm not sure why the first thing he felt he needed to do was kill the elder. Him killing the elder and then immediately like a new big bad being brought in, I thought was smart too, because they do point out many times like it's kind of futile. Like they're just going to install someone else and they... They illustrate that, I thought, really well with the Elder dies immediately, and then already there's Bill Skarsgård kind of like right on his trail for this film. This is what I love about these movies, though, is the lore that they establish and some of the lore that we're still trying to figure out. So they bring in Bill Skarsgård as Marcus. Um, so I guess Marcus is also a seat at the high table, right? Or is he just work under the high table? I don't think he's the same level as the Elders, but I think he is the one that kind of runs the entire like adjudicating side of the high table's like organization. Because they say many times, like, don't be too ambitious, know your worth, like, to the Marquis, because they still want him to understand that he's still under the high table, whereas he may be too, he may be too ambitious and want to be at the top of the high table. Another interesting thing, too, about, like, this world and the way Bill Skarsgård's character fits into it is, like, this world is prim and proper and based on manners and traditions, and Bill Skarsgård has all this, but you kind of get the sense that he's the worst at, like, the elegant side of this world, because he's, like, nicely dressed and all that, but then he's still being called like arrogant and too ambitious and stuff. So I kind of like that he's almost like a wannabe and like kind of faking it. Yeah, that's a really good point, Austin, because I think that's maybe maybe my problem with that character. Like I said, nothing against Bill Skarsgård's performance. It was great. Uh, but I think that character is maybe why I was like, this guy's like not really in this. He's like, he's not really into this world. Like, it, like you said, he's kind of like a, like a poser, a wannabe, because like you said, all the, all this this the lore in the world is all built like around respect and authority and stuff like that. And uh, Marcus just doesn't seem to really uh, project that <laughs> too much. It's another thing, though. I like that it was different from the other ones we've seen in the past few films where the, our other villains are people who can kind of go up against John Wick and fight him. And the Marquis in this movie does not. He doesn't want anything to do with the combat. He wants other people to do that for him. So he's very much like a puppeteer where he's kind of mm-hmm. moving the strings around. He's trying to corner John Wick in, but he knows he can't get in there and fight John Wick himself. So you mentioned kind of the consequences, Keith. That is a big theme of this movie is John Wick having to come to terms with how his actions have impacted everybody. How did this work for you? And did you kind of like how this tied into living a good life so you can have a good death? I mean, that's the basic, like you said, it's the basic theme. Uh, of this movie and pretty much the entire franchise of of consequences to the actions whereas we start off in the first one uh it's pretty much john wick inflicting those consequences of the actions of people stealing his car and and shooting his dog and taking him back into the life but then of course as he gets back into the life then he breaks some of the rules uh himself and then now he has to face the consequences so yeah like i like how it's kind of a, a, a constant back and forth between the high table the Continentals and all the other kind of organizations like the Bowery uh, surrounding these people. It's one big circle, uh, which is really cool. Like it all seems to like come back around to everybody. And as far as this movie goes specifically that you asked me um, to give him proper death, I I think it was definitely building towards that. Uh, This is, this is something that's going to open a whole can of worms though, going into his death. I don't know (laughs) if you want to go there yet. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll save the death for a little bit later in the conversation. Um, let's let's stick with the consequences, because I like, too, that, I mean, we've, of course, enjoyed watching John Wick tear through this organization for the past three movies, but he has been a little selfish. He's been focused on his own revenge, his own path, and he's pulling 
all these people into this uh, conflict. Some of them, like Halle Berry's character in John McThree, begged him, please don't do this, like find another way. And he still is enacting his markers and things like that. So I like that in this movie, he has to come to terms with the fact that, hey, because of what I did, I've now pulled Kane back into this life, who is also in retirement, and his daughter is now in danger um, because of me killing the elder and things like that. Yeah, he just seems to pull everybody in his net towards what he's doing. Like Winston, for sure, is probably the big, biggest example with the the New York Continental. Winston now loses his rights as the manager, and the and the New York Continental is is destroyed. And Akira Shimazu's daughter even says, "Everything John Wick touches ends up dead," and she <laughs> yeah. can kind of as an outside observer, look at everything John Wick's done and pulled in and just see the trail of bodies, both good and bad, that are as a result of him being involved. Yeah, she's probably one of the smartest characters in this movie, really, from that point alone. Yeah. Because, I mean, as soon as he steps foot into the hotel, she's like, oh, crap. Well, there goes the hotel. He's going to mess this up, too. So everything, everywhere he goes, everything, he, every, everybody he interacts with is somehow pulled into this, this network of chaos. <laughs> and they all have to face it. And there's also consequences for other people, too. Like, for example, at the very end, uh, Bill Skarsgård's consequence for being arrogant is getting shot in the head by John Wick. All right, well, let's get into the, the actions and the set pieces, because, you know, the, the background story and the lore and stuff is, of course, great in these movies. But what you're really here for is the set pieces. Um, so any, any standout ones you want to bring up? Oh man, there's so many. Um, we got the staircase. We have like the the waterfall nightclub. We got like the the glass. I think Osaka building scene. I mean, I don't even know where you want to start. Osaka was super fun, especially getting like Hiroki Tsunada involved in, in a John Wick style action set piece. Um, it's the only one I felt was similar to Chapter Three with them fighting through the New York Continental. We are still kind of fighting through another hotel in this scene, but of course they bring in a new way to make it more interesting. You've got the bow and arrows. You've got kind of the Japanese martial arts skills um, from Hiroyuki Sonata's staff. So it's just another example of they take something we've seen before and still find a way to keep it new and fresh. Yeah, for sure. And and going back to the set pieces, I, I just like the way this one looks too. Um, with them, like it has like those, like the kind of the glass artwork and they're, and they're fighting uh, behind and underneath those things. This really shows off Kane's character, too, in a really cool way. Uh, I love the scene where he's, like, eating ramen or something like that in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I think my, like, standout most memorable scene from this movie for me is going to be the Dragon's Breath shotgun scene. Um, it's where the camera turns to top down while he's clearing the building. And just the, like, aesthetics of this shotgun shooting fire out. And then the way how this this feels all like one take and just how hard that blocking must have been for that scene of getting everybody in the right place. Camera shifts at the top down. There's no way to hide your mistakes. It just, it looks so cool. It must've taken so long to choreograph. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably one of the highest, if not the highest moment of the action in this movie is that top down scene. Uh, and like you said, like with that angle on the top down, it's just kind of panning over slowly as he's walking through each room. Um, the soundtrack in the background, of course, uh, makes it as well. Uh, yeah. Really great scene. And I like the way the camera changes for you get the top down stuff for John Wick. And then whenever you're following Trapper, it switches to that side view. But then as Trapper walks into John Wick's room, the camera shifts up from the side to the top down and you see them like kind of back into each other. Yeah. I just thought it was so cool. And Trapper with his dog in that scene, too, was really cool looking. They always seem to like they always seem to do really cool things with dogs in these movies. 
Uh, we got Halle Berry's dogs in, in the last one, uh, like running up the walls and, and tackling these guys. And we kind of get the same thing, um, but like a, a slightly different twist on it with uh, Trapper's dog as well. They always seem to like grab these guys' arms with their guns like right in the nick of time. It was, it's always so cool looking. Yeah, and they, they always find a way to make the dog be like also an important story point. So having having this dog be something John Wick saves and then makes Trapper realize that he kind of owes John Wick now. Thought that was a nice touch too. I also thought the character of Trapper was just really interesting because this is really our first like true free agent we've seen in this franchise where he flows in and out of allegiances depending on what's most beneficial for him. Yeah. And then of course he ends up in debt to John Wick, so has to stay on his side. But I like seeing him kind of come in and out, and you never really knew who he was aligned with. Yeah, I like that too, because it's like, okay, he's kind of in it for the money, um, but then once you get towards to the ending duel, he's sitting there like watching a movie pretty much with popcorn with his dog. He's like, yeah, shit, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like a lot of these people that are going after John Wick, like we said earlier, are fans of his and like really admire him. And like they, yeah, they're kind of looking out for their best interests. Like he has like the contract for 20 million or something like that at the beginning. But I always liked I liked his negotiating skills with um with Marcus, uh, where it just kind of keep he keeps going up like nah this is gonna be thirty forty million now like this guy's getting he, John Wick John Wick's head is worth way more than this yeah so it's cool how yeah like you said he doesn't really have any allegiance to anybody he's like no nah, I'm I'm getting more money if I'm gonna risk my life to try to kill this guy what do you think of the um the Arc Day TM scene the roundabout scene with all the cars flying around and definitely like our most chaotic scene I thought um yeah and definitely the one that has just has so much going on from cars to motorcycles to playing like Frogger moving in between the cars like just so cool yeah really cool scene um I love the the parts where like he's like pretty much swinging people's bodies into oncoming cars and then. The fact that there's cars like going between the two people that are fighting, like they'll push each other away from each other for like a second. I don't even know how they're shooting this for one. It's insane. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty incredible. They bring so much into this and there's so many people and there's so many, all these guys are pulling up in their cars too and just stopping traffic and just, you know, going and getting into an all out brawl with John. Um, yeah. And, and the way that the people look when they get hit by cars is super realistic looking. Um, yeah, they did a really good job of this one as well. Of course, we got going up the staircase. Um, this might be one of the longer ones, I think. And I gotta say, I actually laughed out loud a couple of times at this scene. Whenever he starts rolling oh, it's, down. it's somehow comedic, yeah. too, yeah. <laughs> like, my theater and me my <laughs> and myself were laughing our asses off. I was like, oh my yeah. god. They had my theater rolling as well, and they they work in a few other, like, more comedic elements, too, in this movie. Um, just another, like, new element that they're adding to the franchise. Um, one of the, like, a, a new set piece. We haven't really seen, like, a long staircase like this before in a John Wick movie, so the way they got like kind of that in there and then of course the way he ends up teaming up with Kane to move up the stairs was super fun and they're um working together in this scene but then immediately have to become adversaries once they get to the top of that of that staircase so yeah I also love the way like the respect and the manners still play a fact even in the even in a like tense action scene like this yeah they do such a good job with that in all these movies like we got it with Common in the second one where they're fighting and then they go and have a drink together at the bar um, and then we even got it with Zero in number three, uh, where they're fighting and just outside the continental grounds and John puts his hand on the steps and Sharon tells Zero, like, y'all come inside, quit, quit fighting. Um, so yeah, him and Kane doing the same thing, like teaming up for this fight up the stairs just so they can duel each other once they get to the top is super cool. 
So let's get into that duel because this is our big kind of climatic moment. Um, also plays into that kind of rules and manners thing where they are going by um, the old rules where if John can win in single combat, they then have to meet the terms like decided on before the duel. Um, also very stylish with like the tarot cards that they're flipping over to decide the time, location, and weapons. Um, how did all this work for you? And then, of course, we got to talk about that big final moment. Yeah, Clancy Brennan's Harbinger being the mediator here saying 30 paces out. <laughs> Good old fashioned duel. And um, we get like one bullet at a time for each. So yeah, what do you think of that? Like, do you, because normally in all these ac- action scenes with John Wick, John is super accurate with a pistol. And I'm, I would imagine Kane is probably the same, you know, the exact same. So was it like believable that they had like missed a few times or like grazed each other a couple times and then they get like the, the dead shots on each other's like guts? I like to think that they both were doing this on purpose. Um, I just, because they, they're friends and they had that conversation before. I think they were both trying to wound each other, um, and I think Kane was relying on John to have a plan to get them both out of that situation. Kane did eventually get a, a stomach shot on John. Like, what was your reaction to that? And we, I guess if you just want to go ahead and jump into John's death, we can too. Yeah, that takes us right into the death. Um, so Chad Stahelski and Keanu Reeves have talked about that in order for this one to feel different from the other three, and actually um, like their why, the reason for this movie was existing is they needed this one to have a concrete ending, whereas the other three have been kind of left open and you always know there's another one coming. This is the first time they've decided to give a, a concrete finale to a John Wick movie. So what do you think of that? So if John Wick is really dead, I'm not going to like it because <laughs> I want him to come back. <laughs> I don't think he's dead, though. I think we didn't see his burial. We saw that his gravestone's there and Winston said he's buried next to his wife. But Winston, my my, my theory is that he did not die, and Winston just told everybody that he's dead, just so he can maybe be free and go live a free life again, as he was before the dog was shot in the first one. They definitely left it open enough where they could do another one if they wanted to. Um, we, like you said, we don't see his death. We have the dog kind of look off to the side for the closing shot. So they, they have definitely left room for it. Um, I do want to talk about, though, if this is the finale, the final kind of current John Wick movie, do you think they left it in a good enough spot where John Wick earned his good death? Or how did you feel about just the way they executed this death? The fact that it was Kane that did it, I think, was good because Kane is his friend and an even match for him. If it would have been like, if it would have been Bill Skarsgård that had got him or like some just little dweeb that got John Wick, I'd be like, no, it's not how John Wick's going to go out. Um, but is it a fitting death? I would say for the most part, yes. Maybe. Maybe it could have been done, executed a little bit differently. I don't know. Because you think of John Wick, you just think of him in, like, in the chaotic scenes where he's killing everybody and all that. Um, and the, and like, the fact that it, oh, it's a duel that took him out, like, ah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe duel is the right way to go with it. What do you think? I think they earned this ending. I think they did enough work throughout the film showing that like John Wick even knows he can't really live peacefully anymore. They, they talk about many times how he's a killer and, and death just follows him wherever he, wherever he goes. And, they, and he kind of seems to agree that without having someone to go up against, he really doesn't have a purpose anymore. So I thought him succumbing to his wounds after having found a way to help his friend Kane get Winston back into the role that he should be in at the Continental, he definitely did enough for the people around him to earn his good death. And I also like that he kind of has a quiet moment where he thinks he's talking to hell and his wife on those steps and then kind of succumbs to his injuries. So I think it's a fitting death for everything they've set up for the character. But like you, of course, I would not be upset if they announced, hey, chapter five is coming pretty soon. And it's a good point you brought up with uh, with Kane. You know, it, it was kind of like a, 
a selfless act of him to actually take the the death against Cain so Cain can be reunited with his daughter. Because he definitely, there was no way he was going to kill Cain and then mm-hmm. take him away from his daughter. Yeah. Um, even, even when Akira says, like, you go find him or I will, he still doesn't um, decide to go after Cain because he killed Hiroyuki Sonata's character. Good point. And, and maybe, maybe John Wick could have easily killed Cain. Maybe this, like you said, maybe this, uh, this is all just orchestrated in his mind to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this fight. Like, yeah, I, I, could, I could kill Cain with my first shot in the head if I wanted to, but I'm going to choose not to. That way this guy can be reunited with his daughter. Um, and then obviously fake my second shot so I can kill Marcus. All right. So that's, that's kind of the bulk of chapter four. Let's get into the future though. And, and we mentioned chapter five right there. So I, I want to get into chapter five right away. Um, it appears based on some recent interviews with the Hollywood reporter that there is a good chance chapter five is not happening and they're going to um, conclude John Wick's story with chapter four. Um, originally they were actually going to shoot four and five together, but Chad Stahelski kind of raised his hand and said, Hey, I, I can't make two movies at once. They're going to feel too similar. Let's put all our energy into chapter four. And at that point, they decided to give a concrete ending. And it sounds like both um, Chad Stahelski and Keanu Reeves are a little bit burnt out on this intense franchise, this choreography. He's, they've stated they don't really have a reason to come back for a fifth movie, so they're not going to force it. Um, however, Keanu has left the door open to come back for a prequel movie. But then in that same interview also said he knows he's getting old and these movies are getting harder to make. Yeah, man, I can imagine. <laughs> these movies look exhausting to make. I mean, these are probably some, some of the most choreographed uh, fight scenes we've ever seen in, in cinema. So um, I can only imagine we, with Keanu being in his 50s, I think. He's 58. Yeah, 58 years old. Holy shit. This guy deserves a freaking medal, dude. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> God dang. Um, yeah, like you said, it's got to be a lot of work to do these movies and... And as far as the story goes, is it appropriate to bring him back for a, for a fifth one? Yeah, I I would say I think you're I think you kind of hit it on the money earlier. I think it, he had he had a fitting death, so if they don't bring him back, it's fine. But if they do bring him back, I will not be upset. Um, I definitely think they left it open, like you said, like I said, they left it open because they didn't show him being buried or his body being recovered. It just showed him dying on the stairs, and it just cuts to his gravestone. So definitely left it open for a possible return. I think they filmed it in a way where they can totally still bring him back. I think you're right there. I also think we know studios love their money. And uh, for Lionsgate, this is their most successful franchise. It's already on its way to make its money back and probably have a hefty profit at the box office. So Chapter 5 is still slated on Keanu Reeves' upcoming projects in IMDb. So if they are... If they maybe have a contract or something like that, like the studio could still force them to make a fifth movie, even if the director and Keanu are a little burnt out. And as far as the story goes, I know they, they said they didn't really have any reason to bring him back, but maybe they could come up with something. I don't know. It sounds like everybody involved just kind of wants a break right now. Yeah. So maybe they just <laughs> need to take some time away, watch the success of this one, and then maybe they'll, there'll be something that pops up to come back for a chapter five. If I had to bet, I would say it's probably 50-50 we get a chapter five. Um, but hey, when you're burnt out and you're ready to be done, it's usually not a good thing if you force it. So they've had four great successful movies. Hey, they've kind of earned a break if that's what they're looking for. Um, but in the short term, they are still going to be expanding out the John Wick universe. Um, we do have another movie slated. Uh, it says 2023. I would bet this gets pushed to 2024. Um, but it is Ballerina. It's starring Anna Diarmas, and it's set in between uh, movie number three and movie number four. Um, Anna Diarmas is a female assassin seeking revenge against the people who killed her family. Um, Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, and Lance Reddick are all confirmed to be appearing in this film. Yeah, that could be really cool. This takes place between three and four. Um, Ian McShane and 
and Lance Reddick's characters, Sharon and, and uh, Winston, are dealing with the aftermath of John Wick. So um, how is Ballerina going to play into that? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, it's definitely going to be focused on that Russian dance school that we saw in 3. Um, and the Armistice character, we actually we saw her character played by a different actress. She was in 3. She's the dancer that the teacher is watching. Um, she's going to be playing that character. Interesting, interesting. That could be really cool. And Anna Diarmas, I mean, she was slated for to have a huge role in James Bond, and her action scene was the best of that film. So seeing her in this role where she gets to showcase those action skills, can't go wrong there. What did we see her in recently that was like, she was full on, not James Bond, wasn't there something else she was in? Or was it Gray Man? Oh yeah, she was in the Gray Man. <laughs> Oof, forgot about that one. Another uh, Netflix hit, am I right, Keith? Mm, yeah, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> the best action movie to come out this decade. You actually nominated it for the worst movie of the year last year when we did our year-end awards. Oh, did I? Yeah, well, good. <laughs> we also have a show in the works for this uh, for this franchise. It's called The Continental. It's a prequel show. It's set in the 70s, um, and it is going to be following Winston taking over The Continental at a young age. It will mix real history and John McLaur together. Yeah, that could be, be kind of cool. I wonder who they'll uh, cast as a young Winston. Yeah, they have actually cast Colin Woodall as a young Winston Scott. Um, Colin Woodall doesn't have a huge filmography. It seems like he's a relatively unknown actor, um, but he was in Ambulance, that Michael Bay movie that came out last year. <laughs> okay, I could see that. He looks kind of looks like... He definitely looks the part. Yeah, yeah he looks like a young Ian McShane. Um, and lastly, uh, we don't know if anything's going to come of this, but there was, of course, a post credit scene for John Wick Chapter 4, um, it shows Akira's character kind of catching up to Johnny Yen's character. Um, so they're definitely leaving room for Donnie Yen to come back as Kane, uh, maybe having to fend off or find a way to get Akira's forgiveness. Definitely want more of Kane. This is our first movie with Kane, and you and I both love Donnie Yen as Kane. And I want to see cool action sequences with him. And yeah, I want to see where his story goes and maybe get some, uh, some past insight into him as well. Yeah. The past with Kane, I think, would be the most interesting because he does say, like, he has this deal that he made with the high table for his daughter's safety. He also, at one point, says he willingly gave the high table his eyes. So I'd yes. be interested to learn more about his career. Yes, I was about to say that. I was like, yeah, he wasn't born blind, right? Like, yeah, he's got his, he got his eyesight taken from him. So want to see how that goes and how he learned to fight uh, blind, too. Uh, all right. So that is the future of the John Wick franchise. Uh, even though Chapter 5 may not be happening, still a good amount on the way. Before we go, Keith, we do, of course, need to do the Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is a segment of our show where we give an award to anything in this movie. It can be positive. It can be negative. Uh, Keith, do you want to start us off today? I might have to do it, Austin. I might have to give out the Tobey Maguire Bat Paint Award again. Uh, my back. <laughs> my back. Uh, I think it's, yeah. The Tobey Maguire Back Paint Award will yet again be given out to Mr. Keanu Reeves or John Wick uh, for falling on that car and pretty much smashing the entire roof of the car in and somehow not breaking his back or breaking his ribs or crushing his skull in any sort of way. And this is immediately like maybe a month after falling off the continental roof and landing on that dumpster. <laughs> yeah. So he just rebroke all those same bones. <laughs> He's going to have to go back to punching some plywood to heal up. <laughs> What about you, Austin? What do you got? Yeah, well, he can, uh, he can mend his, his back because um, I'm going to give the best dentist award to John Wick. Um, he extracts that Belarusian mobster's teeth with no issue. Mm. So maybe if he needs to kind of take a step back from the retirement game due to his broken back, uh, he could open up a dentistry practice. 
What if that's like that's how where his story goes? He just he faked or Winston faked his death, and then we just open up like the next movie. John is just a dentist in like Singapore or something like that. It's like, yeah. I just I if they do that, I'm I'm on board. I want to see it, but I hope he's huffing his own laughing gas. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the laughing gas. Consequences <laughs> for poor dental hygiene. Yeah, you have to go so, see John Wayne. Some kid just comes in with like cavities. <laughs> he's just like, ah. Uh, Consequences. <laughs> and starts he filling just, in the cavities. He could just call it a uh, consequences dentistry. Oh yeah, or the high table, high table dentistry. All right, everybody. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that, so we can continue to grow this show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At the Arnie's Other Social and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for another episode. And lastly, we want to hear from you, so please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of John Wick 4? Will Kane eat more ramen? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and rant to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening uh, and have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. See you.